McMaster University has over 210,000 alumni living in 140 countries around the world, and they are some of the most amazing people you would ever want to meet. Unconventional will introduce you to some of our alumni who are working to make our world a brighter place in their own unique way. Join me, Karen McQuig, Alumni Director at MAC, as we meet alumni in the arts, cutting edge entrepreneurs, alumni leading the way in health, technology, education, and more, as we learn the moments that their path from MAC became unconventional. Over the course of six years, Lavin Condio went from a completely lost history major with no confidence to working with the United Nations in Africa, a jump he thought was absolutely impossible and a path not predicted. Join me as we learn more about Lavin's unconventional path after graduating Mac. So thanks, Lavin, for joining us today. Yeah, Were you one of those undergraduate students with a master plan of how your career path um, would, would lay out or or were you one that had to figure out its figure out your path? I'm still figuring out my path. You're still figuring out but, your path. But <laughs> uh, no, I didn't have uh, any plan actually whatsoever. I think in high school, most of the people I knew had some kind of idea what they wanted to do, but uh, I had none whatsoever. I knew I wanted to. I knew what I liked, which was history. And um, but I was a terrible student in high school, and my marks were not good. And uh, I'm lucky I got in to begin with. So I had no plan. I just knew that I liked history and that. It was something worth studying because I knew I liked it and that was all the thought I put into it. So I more or less went to university because I knew that it was expected that I go to university. And no, I'm still figuring everything out. So that's maybe that's a comfort to some of the people that don't have a plan. Yes, I, I myself did not have a plan when I was an undergraduate student. Yeah. Why did you choose McMaster? Um, I had a couple of friends that went there. Again, no plan, but <laughs> I... Uh, I went to my first year, um, I actually started at Nipissing University. Oh, so okay. I did my first year there. And then I, um, I did well enough to transfer over because for me, it was seven hours away. There wasn't much to do. Yeah. So I had some friends that were at McMaster and I had the chance to room with them. So I, yeah, I went for it. And I had the opportunity to start in my second year instead of starting from scratch. So that was also a plus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so tell us about your role at the United Nations. What's the best part of your job and what you've learned about yourself from the experience? Uh, the best part of the job? Um, it really, well, I think the first thing was just learning about the system because the, the UN is so large and um, you get a lot of exposure to different aspects of the work, whether it's project management or project support or just a bureaucracy and understanding how difficult it is to get funding and how difficult it is to um, launch projects and how you have to walk a line between making your donors happy and getting the project done. So that exposure was great. And also um, at, a, at a more grassroots level, it was, I, I worked with the counter trafficking unit. So it worked the team that rescues um, well, not rescues, but repatriates victims of human trafficking. So I had a couple of opportunities to go to uh, the airports and to pick them up and debrief them and to take them to shelters and such and things like that. So that's a very unique experience that you don't really get to see very often. And 
you know, having the family members thanking you, you know, they haven't seen their, they had no idea what happened to the relatives. So that experience was very uh, eye-opening. But for me, it, uh, I would say it taught me whether or not I wanted to do development because being in Canada, I knew what my interests were, but I didn't know if I had um, an unrealistic image of what the development industry was like. So, you know, it's easy to read things online and watch YouTube videos and say that this is what you want to do. But um, yeah, once I got there, I, I realized that um, despite the bureaucracy and how long things take and how stressful it can be and all that, I still wanted to do the work. And that was probably my, what I learned, or the most valuable, valuable lesson in my time there. Yeah. So, um, is there something about the United Nations that surprised you or would surprise um, me? It is very, because it is at such a higher level, you work almost exclusively with the government partners. Okay. So it is very um, slow moving in some ways, but uh, it's the work they do is, um, you know, there's, there's pluses and there's positives and negatives to uh, every job there is. So, the, yeah, the UN, it is very government-like in its administration and bureaucracy, but the, the work they do is, is really extraordinary. And the, the amount of resources that is at their disposal, and I think that's something that shocked me, just the, the length of their reach and the people that they can uh, reach and the policies that can influence. So if, if you were, to, I'm going to ask another question about the UN. So, you know, I think if, if a student in, you know, history or political science is thinking about what I do after, and, you know, you, you did development work at the United Nations, how would you describe development work? Because I don't think everybody knows exactly what that is. So how would you describe that to an undergraduate oh, who's thinking, you know, like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with my history degree after graduation. Well, I will say that my history degree did not necessarily have a direct contribution to me getting this role. But uh, if there is if there is people that are interested in development, it's well, it's a really broad field. There's a bunch of there's many different sectors. Um, so you, I think a, a good place to start is maybe looking at the sustainable development goals, mm -hmm. and you know that kind of breakdowns breaks down every tier of development and um, yeah, you get to work on different social issues, whether it's uh, eradicating hunger, uh, education, uh, governance and peace building, um, livelihoods, um, climate change, you know, and yeah, so there's different sectors and what you do within each sector, you're basically um, working towards eradicating the issues that come as a result of it or, um, increasing equality and access to resources but uh, also there's different levels to development right so the un is probably at the very highest level in terms of who you work with so you work with uh, government ministries and even as far as their prime minister or president's office but then there's a lot of development actors that do more grassroots level work like uh, there's action against hunger uh, there's care um, there is the Norwegian Refugee Council. There's a bunch of these smaller organizations, but do more on the ground work. They work with communities on the ground uh, and provide one-on-one -on -one training. They provide training and funding to communities. So the UN is a great 
uh, it's a great place to work, but uh, it's not the only option. Right. So you've spoken about, you know, um, getting out of your comfort zone. Is that something you're, you know, comes naturally to you or did you have to push yourself or to, to, to take a a leap of faith in many ways on your Uh, path? Yeah. I, it's something I still work on and it's not something that came to me naturally at all, but I realized that I wasn't really learning anything by staying in my comfort zone because I'm not a very, um, I'm not very outgoing and, uh, uh, I struggle to make connections and talk to people and things like that. And in a, in a professional setting, that can really hold you back. So I play to my strengths. So I'm not very good at um, talking to people in a social setting. But um, I, you know, I, I do good work. I speak well. I'm comfortable reaching out to people to network. Right, that's something I'm comfortable doing. So I played on those strengths. And uh, yeah, and that's that's what I did because. I was at a point where I wasn't learning anything new and I wasn't figuring out any further direction. So this comes back to having a no plan. Um, (laughs) When I finished my undergrad, I had a history degree and very little of any work experience that counted. And then all of a sudden I'm thinking about doing development work. Well, I don't have the degree to go to development work and I don't have the work experience. So I have no idea whether development is something I want to do. So when I, um, when I applied to go to, to Ghana with the UN, that was, that, and that's just one example, obviously, but I really was very nervous to go there. You know, I'd never been to Africa. I didn't know if, I mean, I've, I've lived away from home. I moved around quite a bit, so that wasn't an issue, but I didn't know if I would be able to handle that transition. And, and even um, when I went for my master's, that was, that was also another leap you know i got uh i got the opportunity to do my master's but i knew that i'm investing a lot of time and money into something that i don't know if i want to do right but you're not learning anything by sitting at home and doing like office work or volunteering so if you want to get to the next stage and you really have to just jump into it and see if you like it and if you don't then you have to uh then you have to reevaluate but hey you might like it and with my master's that's what happened i did jump into it without much of a plan and i did really enjoy it and the same thing with the UN. And now I'm here with more direction that I probably wouldn't have gotten if I hadn't, uh, if I hadn't gone for it. So, you know, you mentioned networking. I think people are always nervous about reaching out to people they don't yeah. know to do that. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you've kind of described yourself, if I can say this a little bit like an introvert. So how did, how did you, you know, challenge yourself to do that? Because, you know, that is in some ways taking a big leap of faith to say to someone, can I talk to you? Uh, I want to learn. Uh, from- yeah. The, the example I like to think about is I, when I went to Ghana, I was, I was uh, working with uh, a colleague there who's also from Canada and she was very, extremely outgoing and very talkative. And she would, I would always look at her and think, I wish I was a bit more like you so I can make connections and make friends and make an impact that way. But she would always look at me and say, I want to be able to network like you and reach out to people like you, like you do. And yeah, if I had that, if I had a personality that was more outgoing and outwardly friendly, well, not that I'm not friendly, but more outwardly friendly, then maybe the, the issue of networking wouldn't, maybe I wouldn't be so good at it because I wouldn't need to. 
try to hone that skill, but I think it's because I struggle to talk to people in other ways. Right? The only way to build a network and to build relationships was to just reach out to people, email them, call them. Um, yeah, and now I have no issue doing it whatsoever, which is, when I think back to it, a little strange considering how hard it used to be. But now I have, I have contacts in different organizations and I have good working relationships with the people I have worked with in the past. And I would say out of the seven or eight jobs I've worked in my life, I think out of maybe the eight, seven of them were through connections and only one of them was through um, just an application. Yeah. And I think that's the most interesting thing is that, you know, people don't, you know, if, I think if you're a student coming out, you don't really think about that, but mm-hmm. I got my job through a connection. Someone I yeah. went to school with at Mac that I had kept in touch with and had worked with um, actually as a student at McMaster. And then years later he was he- leading the area that I was um, at, at McMaster. He's like, Oh, you should come work, come back and work. And I'm like, you know, I don't know, but you know, but I didn't apply for the job, right? He, because of that. Yeah. And I think people forget and how many connections help and how you get to know people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And I'd also say you're, you're reserved, you know, there's nothing wrong with being a reserved person. I like how you can tell that already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's good. That's good. Um, so one of the things I thought was really interesting in your life after Mac piece that you wrote is mm-hmm. that, um, to find a job you enjoy 70% of the time. Yeah. Where'd you come up with that? Because I think most people say, find something that you love and you want to do 100%. I really was struck by your 70% of the time. Uh, I got that through a colleague's boss a couple many, many years ago. And uh, we debated it. And I think this idea, I mean, this is not blanket advice, you know, everyone, you'll find 3000 different pieces of it, career advice, but the one thing you should do to find happiness or the one thing you should do to find success. And I think it varies for everyone. And you can't, um, you can't say it applies to everyone. This just, it, it really helped me. And it's my belief that every job has its ups and downs. And you're going to have days when you don't want to be there. Or there's going to be one task, you know, let's say you love to, um, I don't know, let's say you love to engage with stakeholders or um, partners in different organizations, but you hate doing admin work, you know, but you have to do the admin work in order to do that job or, um, you know, you are a teacher, but you hate working, waking up early or something like that, yeah. you know? <laughs> so there's, there's always that, that one negative. And I think what burns people out in my experience, why people get burnt out in part is that they have this very idyllic image of what they want to do and they jump into it and they realize that it's actually very stressful it's actually very difficult on top of being very rewarding so and that sometimes comes as a shock to people you know when they realize that it's not 24 7 fun that i imagine it would be and now i'm reevaluating my priorities and what i want to do so the way i approach things is every job i do i realize that and not not just jobs it comes with anything in life uh, whether dealing with friends or family uh, and career, uh, there's going to be days when, or moments or parts of it that you're not going to enjoy. And me knowing that already going, because I've never worked a job that I have enjoyed 100% of the time. There's always parts of it. There is long periods where you're not doing anything, or there is um, random hours, or there's an annoying colleague you have to work with, or you know something along those lines. So there's always 
in part and being prepared, knowing that, uh, yeah, I'm not going to have fun every single day. I'll have fun most days. I think that's a healthy mindset to have. And yeah, I think 70%, um, I'm sure it could be 70, 30, it could be 80, 20. Uh, but, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, a healthy, um, it's a healthy outlook to have to, uh, approach any job knowing that just because you don't enjoy every aspect of it doesn't mean that it's not necessarily for you. Right. So volunteerism also comes through in your story since, you know, since mm -hmm. graduation, are you yeah. still volunteering or why, what, um, what made you want to become a volunteer in terms of as you were after you were graduating, right? Like after you graduated and stuff. Oh, that was yeah. honestly, that was me trying to figure out what I wanted to do and also lack of opportunity. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I was at a, I knew, well, I should probably mention this in the piece, but I, I knew I also had a interest in project management. Okay. Or at least I thought I did. And for me, I had a connection at this um, one organization that I started volunteering with. And I just went in and said, hey, I like project management. I think I like project management. So uh, do you have any anything like that that I can join or any anything to get my feet wet? And that's why I did that. I think volunteer. I think volunteering is a good thing to do. I think it's very rewarding in some ways. Um, but I didn't seek it out uh, intentionally. It was more because those were the opportunities that were available to me, and I knew I had to take them. So, what are you doing right now? What's your uh, What's your job right now? What are you doing right now? Uh, right now, I'm doing some freelance work with the uh, University of Guelph. Okay. I'm doing some. Uh, reporting uh, writing and analyzing information things like that and i have another opportunity lined up uh most likely we'll see how that goes but yeah. uh waiting an update from the supervisor in a couple of should be a couple of days from now uh so that's what i'm doing right now and i'm still i'm also applying to go back overseas okay so my interests are to work in conflict zones so i'm applying for jobs in africa and the middle east and i'm also learning uh, i'm learning learning french and it's going pretty well that's another thing that's really, really important for development is languages. Right. So the more language you can speak, the better. So I'm working on French. I'm working part-time and I'm applying overseas. And that's uh, pretty much what I do right now. And um, so if you were going to give yourself a piece, uh, a, a piece of advice to your graduating self, what do you think you would mm -hmm. give your, what your, you know, how many, I guess five years ago now you graduated, right? So what, what piece of advice? Yeah. yeah Cause you're 2015, right? If I remember correctly. I think so. Yeah. 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 So go back 2015. What piece uh -huh. of advice would you give your graduating self? Oh, um, lots of things actually. Uh, I think the, there's no one way path to career, which I mentioned in the, in the article itself. I think that's very accurate. And, you know, working at the UN, I, I, if I was to look at the three or four managers I worked with there, one of them used to uh, work as a translator at an airport. And because of his language skills, he got recruited, you know, and another one used to work for the Department of Defense. And then um, because he had knowledge of, uh, of um, I think it was cybersecurity or something like that, he got recruited into the, to the UN as well. And when I heard those stories, I thought, that doesn't make any sense. I don't think anyone who, you know, studied those, uh, those career paths would have pictured themselves at the UN, but they, they got the opportunities. 
So, and I'm looking at where I am now. I, I used to look at the UN as kind of the gold standard, the, the completely unattainable, this is what people dream about kind of place to work. And, and now, I, now I've done it. And it's, I, I couldn't have predicted that. And there's still a long way to go. But when I came out of university, I thought that, and this is not bashing anyone who has a plan. If you have a plan, absolutely should go for it and don't, don't look back. But uh, I had no plan and I couldn't have predicted how my career path would have gone. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it takes trial and error and a lot of experimentation to get to where you want to go. And other than that, I would say, uh, be disciplined, but don't be rigid. So I would tell myself that you have to have a certain acceptance that things will be difficult. You know, it's, uh, yeah, because things don't, you're going to get job rejections. You're not going to get the job that you had targeted all these months. You're going to be lost. Right. And you might not have, you might have family that don't support your goals or you might have friends that look down on you, whatever it is. And you have to be capable of dealing with that mm-hmm. because I used to be a very kind of negative, pessimistic person. Like I was very, I was very typical. Like, why is this happening to me? This is so unfair. I was that kind of guy. And I think that's, that's why I'm now not like that because I've learned my lesson and it's, it's, you have to have, in, in, and this goes for life in general. I think you have to have a certain level of resilience and being able to take, um, take it when things don't go your way. But, and also be, don't be rigid though. You know, be open to a different path and don't be afraid to go in a different direction and just see how it goes. How does your family feel about you going off to conflict zones? Not good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, uh, not too terrible either. I think they, uh, I mean, I haven't worked in a conflict zone yet because Ghana yeah. is a very, very stable country. But um, I think once I actually go, then it might cause some issues, but I'll deal with it then. Yeah. Well, yeah. Your family will always worry. Yes. yes. <laughs> no matter what. Yeah. So what's next for Lavin? Where do you see yourself professionally in five to 10 years? Um, ideally, I want to be working with a, either with the UN agency or with a major development organization or in the government in a, some kind of managerial role. I want to, um, I guess my, my end goal is to manage a large scale project from start to finish. So that's where I hope to be, but, uh, and I'll work towards that. If that doesn't happen, I'll target it in a couple more years after that. I have no doubt you're going to do that. <laughs> All right. So we're going to end the podcast with a, a selection of uh, fun questions we like to ask yes. everybody. So mm-hmm. favorite memory of McMaster? Uh, I think I would, I used to, something McMaster has a dragon boat team. It's mm-hmm. kind of similar, similar to rowing. At least that's how I explain it to people because many people haven't heard of it. Uh, I used to coach the team for two years. And I used to really enjoy, so we used to have practices every week. So I was always at uh, the athletic center, uh, eight, seven or eight times a week. So I used to really enjoy running the practices and being on the indoor track. 
because it was always packed with people. Probably not anymore because of the pandemic, but uh, no, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> but I used to really enjoy being in the middle of that atmosphere of having everyone, maybe a hundred people surrounding me, just everyone's working out, everyone's working towards the same goal, yeah. and you know, running a practice for twenty or thirty people. And yeah, I think I enjoyed that the most by far. What book or books are you reading right now? Uh, I just finished one called Identity, which is, yeah, my interests are in politics and things like that. So I don't know who finds that interesting, but uh, there's a book called Identity um, that is really good. talks about how it basically explains why Donald Trump got elected and the, the forces at play that allowed him to elevate himself. And other, other than that, two books or one book I want to read is called The Shock Doctrine. Okay. Which is about, it explains how politicians use emergencies and wars and crises to pursue their own political agenda. And a third one would be um, Extreme Ownership. It's called Extreme Ownership. It's um, by a former uh, American soldier, a former Navy SEAL. And he talks about leadership qualities in the battlefield and how, um, yeah, how he pursued that time of his life. I haven't read it yet, so I don't know much about it, but I'm looking forward to it. That's pretty heavy reading. Nothing light yeah. these days. <laughs> Nothing light, no. <laughs> what's, your, what's your best COVID purchase? Best COVID purchase? Um... Hmm. I haven't bought much for, under, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, maybe I bought, I bought some weights okay. to, to use at home. That was the great uh, A good mask is always a good investment. Yep. And uh, yeah, I would say the weights. Yeah, it's, uh, it's added some actual fun to, to home workouts. Um, which living person do you most admire? Um, living person. I can't say there's a single person I admire in, in, in whole. I think there's, I take bits and pieces from different people. Uh, one person I would admire for work ethic is, uh, David Goggins. He's a extreme, uh, the ultra marathon runner. Mm. And he has a very, uh, he has a very extreme approach to pushing yourself and stepping out of your comfort zone and you can do anything as long as you push yourself. And although he's very extreme, he's not, uh, I think he even says he's not normal, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's aspects of his life are parts that I try to look to. What would you say your personal motto is? Um, personal motto. That one's hard. Um, I think I'll go back to, be, you know, being disciplined, but not being rigid. I think that's helped me. I take, uh, I try to follow, I try to follow the plan I have now, but if different opportunities come up where things change, then I'm going to reevaluate and see if I, this new path is worth taking. So I think, uh, yeah, be disciplined, but don't be rigid. Okay. And then to finish up, one song that best describes your time at Mac McMaster. 
Land of Confusion. Ah, good song. Good song. Yeah. Oh, you know it. <laughs> I do. Okay, I do. good. Yeah. Okay, I, I thought that one might, uh, no one might know that song. Oh, well. One person. Yes, one person. Someone who's, mm. you know, was a child of the 80s. So, yes, I remember ah. songs. Well, I know it too. So, yeah. And I was not a child of the 80s. So. There you go. So, we have something. Yeah, it's common. a good song. Yeah, it's a great song. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks today. Thanks uh, for joining us today, Lavin, for this conversation. Really yeah, great well. conversation to see your path from McMaster and what you're doing. And I know it's going to be great. And so we'll be keeping our eye on you and uh, see what uh, next uh, come up comes up in your uh, in your journey. Perfect. Thank you very much for having me. And thanks, thanks for the invite. Yeah. Mm-hmm.